0: Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode.
1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Women's Football Digest. We have another busy show for you today. We're going to talk some WSL from last weekend. We've got the Conte Cup this midweek. And then, of course, we're going to move on to England. But before we start, I want to let you know about our newest edition of Women's Football News. Our December edition is out today for £3, online and at all your favourite stores another packed issue of course our cover star is the one and only emma hayes who will be leaving for the usa at the end of the season we also have jackie oatley as one of our columnists as well as jilly flaherty and we have lots of news lots of competitions please check it out if you want to buy it online you can go to reachshops.co.uk forward slash women's football so to the show Jack, it's great to see you back again. How are you?
0: I'm good, thanks, Natasha. Yeah, great to be back on. Nice to see you both.
1: And you, Beth, always smiling. Another good morning to you, I hope.
2: Yeah, good, thank you. Excited to, to get stuck into to all the news from the last week or so. Yeah, I mean,
1: well, we had another busy WSL weekend, another busy Very busy WSL weekend. So we started on Saturday. Chelsea won 5-1 at home to Liverpool. On Sunday, Everton drew 2-0 with Bristol City. Arsenal beat Brighton 3-0 away. Aston Villa, with their first win of the season, 3-2 over West Ham. Leicester and Tottenham won all draw. And Manchester City beat Manchester United in the first Manchester derby, WSL derby, played at Old Trafford the score for that was 3-1 and jack we we have to start there um man city this season have had more red cards than they do new players <laughs> i mean we'll come to the red card later but jack this result in terms of the wsl championship and and the title is this really a a mark for manchester city
0: yeah i i definitely think so i think it's a um a major message sent out to the other teams at the top it was a game that they, they probably had to win off the back of the, the two defeats, the, de- the defeats to Arsenal and then the loss at home to Brighton, you know, two, two games that ugh, they, they wouldn't, I don't, I don't think they played particularly badly in, in either of those games, but the, it still meant the pressure was very much on uh, for this weekend and, and going in, like, like you said, it's the, the first ever women's derby at, at, at Old Trafford and it had a real sort of heightened sense of atmosphere, I think, um, just, just, just from the occasion and S- City dealt with that r- really well. Uh, they, I thought they, they kept their composure. Obviously, went went a goal down, but didn't seem to panic, which is sort of a trademark of of, of this Manchester City team. Um, so, so, some great options off the bench then to see the game out when they when they did get in control. And yeah, it was a a, a really impressive performance. And I I, I just think that the pressure was so high because there's no team in the in in WSL history that's that's won the league having lost more than two games. So if 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 City had lost a third game by we're not even at the end of November yet it, it's crazy to say you know we're only sort of a month and a half into the season but yeah that 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 would have been it for their their title challenge so so it was a really impressive way to to respond to their, their recent adversity and uh, and full credit to to Gareth Taylor
1: Beth Mark Skinner was I will say very honest um very blunt about the players the performance and the result um. How do you think this, I mean, there's actually been talk this week of him being replaced. Do you think his position is, is precarious? And how do you think United move on for this, especially with the international break?
2: Yeah, obviously it is a blow and it always sort of hurts that a little bit more when it's against your your local rivals and especially with it being at Old Trafford as well. You know, I'm sure that, that every one of those United players would have wanted to, to come out on top in that game in front of the fans. And um, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a difficult one Um, I think you know in- inevitably when, when there's a result that goes against you like that that there's discourse about should the manager stay should he go Um, I think the question po- possibly is as well and I would probably say this for, for a number of teams in the WSL who've maybe had you know difficult starts to the season it's who do you get in to replace them Um, you know I think very often in the men's game we have sort of a a bank of, of real sort of elite managers who are sort of on a little bit of a, of a managerial merry-go-round waiting in the wings to, to come in should they need to. And I think in the women's game at, at this moment in time, I don't necessarily think we've got that. I don't think there's a, there's sort of a stockpile of real top class managers. And so for that reason, I, I think Mark Skinner for now it is safe and, um, I think you know you do have to remember that you know it was only 2018 that, that Manchester United were, were set up as a as a women's team started off in, in the championship, so they're still relatively new. You know, certainly in in comparison with the likes of, of Arsenal and Chelsea, um, and it will take time for them to sort of close that gap, I guess. But I think after the, the impressive season that they had last year and coming so close to to winning the title, to winning the FA Cup, um, I think that the expectations now are higher and the pressure will be on Mark Skinner, but. You know, I think it was more, you know, as Jack said there, I think it was City who had to win that game. I think if City hadn't have won it, I think they would have been completely out of the running. I think Manchester United will be disappointed. But I think, you know, while it's possibly unlikely that they'll go on to to win the title come May, I think they've still maybe given themselves a a little bit of a chance with with some of their other results this season. So um, I don't think it's sort of a a death knell for their their title hopes. Um, They've just got to pick themselves up and, and go again. I
1: completely agree about the the men's game. You know, there's always a list of 10 managers who can replace. I have seen, maybe this is my Arsenal bias, Laura Harvey, former Arsenal manager, there has been talk of of her, which I think would be great for the English league. Off to London now, Chelsea. Chelsea doing what Chelsea do against a Liverpool side who I think have, have really surprised and impressed a few people this season. Beth, it's obviously a disappointing result for them. But in relation to the league, this is one of the games that they probably would have looked at and thought, we're not expecting to get a lot from. So do you think they'll be Matt Beard will be hugely disappointed with the res, with more the results? Or no, sorry, would he be more disappointed with the performance than the result?
2: Yeah, I I think so. Absolutely. I think when you see that scoreline, I think, you know, regardless of who you're playing against, it's never nice to to be beaten so comprehensively. So, um, yeah, I think he'll be frustrated with elements of the performance. I think, you know, Lauren James, we know what a talent she is. We spoke about her so many times on the pod over the last year or so, but, um, you know, I think probably Liverpool's biggest crime on Saturday was they just gave her such free reign. She had so much time and space on the ball. And I think when you give a player like that, the opportunity, then they're, they're going to take it. And, and she did obviously emphatically gets a hat trick and an assist as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it's more the nature of the performance. I think, it you know, ahead of the season, if you'd have said to Matt Beard, you would be in the position that you're in now, I think you'd have been delighted. I think there's so many positives to take. Um I did actually write an article on the on the Friday, the day before the game, saying how good Liverpool have been defensively this season. I think before that game they were level only with with Chelsea and Manchester City in terms of goals conceded, and then uh, they're going to uh, make me a liar the next day and, and ship five. But um, but yeah, I don't think it's it's you know it's panic stations or anything Liverpool. I think it's just a really bad day at the office. I think you know once Chelsea had sort of got into the groove, I don't think there's many teams in, in world football that can. That can knock them off the perch, really, um, and a testament as well to how good they are and and the discipline that Emma Hayes has instilled within them. You know, it was only a few days before they were caught up in that controversial Champions League game in in Madrid, where they were they were denied a, a win by a couple of contentious decisions. And you're thinking, you know, could that have a bit of a hangover physically and mentally? And you know, absolutely didn't. And they're they machine, and I think you know for that reason, I 100 think they'll go on and, and win the title. Even though we're we're so early in the season, I think they just look just completely relentless already and. Um, And yeah, I think for that reason, Liverpool won't be too disheartened, but obviously they'll want a much better performance this weekend.
1: Yeah, quick question. Is Lauren James going to be the best ever English player
0: that we've ever seen? I mean, that's that is a big question, but I I you couldn't you couldn't rule it out at this stage and having watched her up yeah, again, um it's sort of live up close on on Saturday. I mean, when when she plays like that, uh, and I think I said it to to someone yesterday as well, when, when she's in that sort of mood, she she could be anything she wants. She could be the best player in the world, no, no doubt about it. If she played like that every single week, she would be the best player in the world. Um, it was interesting actually in the the, the post game presser because Emma Hayes, when when obviously inevitably asked about uh, Laura James, as she often is, said that. What she was most in, the first thing she said was I was most impressed with a tracking back and her defensive work on on Saturday. And I thought you know she just scored three, made another. You know, she she was absolutely unplayable at times in that game. And um, I, I still think she needs sort of the the experienced players around her. I also think she looks at her best when she's got Sam Kerr near. Her. I, even on the on the second goal, which was scored by uh, Aggie Beaver Jones, but that move started with Sam Kerr and Lauren James. Playing a one-two down the left-hand side, and, and Sam Kerr actually called for you could hear her calling LJ LJ from like the from just behind the dugout. We could we could hear that that sound. Sort of, I think that's that sort of communication and that that guidance Lauren James still needs. But if she gets that and she continues to progress, as she ha- as we've seen over the over the course of this year in particular, I I I wouldn't rule it out um, in terms of being yeah. England's potentially England's greatest ever player. She will have to do that that defensive, uh, the grittier side of her game. She still needs to work on that as well. Um, but yeah, when you, she's just a, just a joy to watch on on, on Saturday. And I mean, like, like Beth said, Liverpool have been very good defensively this season. But there were there were times during that first half where Laura Jabe sort of had, had, had like two or three defenders. At once, and she was able. She's got the strength and physicality just to hold them off. She's just such a, a powerful player, and yeah, she was the the, the catalyst for for like Bev said, a, a really impressive Chelsea performance. I think, I think Matt Beard actually said afterwards that um, that they Liverpool were the team who looked like they got in at four am on the Thursday morning after playing in Europe, which uh, which what happened to Chelsea. Um, but yeah, she, she's a she's a fantastic talent, no doubt.
1: I mean, I don't know if she's the best player in the world, yet, but I think we all agree she's the best player in her family. Sorry, Race. We'll move to Brighton now. Arsenal, a 3-0 away win. Much, much needed, Jack, I think you will agree. And something that Jonas and the team and the squad can feel a bit more positivity heading into this international break.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. They obviously had had quite a, a rough start to the season, they, they, they seem to have found some form, and, and and not just the results, I think, but the manner of their performances, particularly going forward. They're, they just seem like a like a completely different team. Um, it was interesting, obviously, a little tweak from from Jonas bringing Alessia Russo into sort of a, a deeper role on on Sunday, and having both her and and Steena Blackstinius on the pitch. And I mean, Stina is someone who's obviously I think has gone under the limelight a bit this year. First of all, with when Arsenal were trying to sign. Uh, Russo at the start of the year, and then obviously since she has come in in the summer, you know, there's there's been I think a few just just slightly overlooked. I think uh, Blackstenius as as being perhaps by by certain sections of the media and by people in the game, but at the moment she's she looks like Arsenal's most dangerous forward, and you know re- another really impressive display. Not not just from her, but I thought the whole attacking unit going forward, and it, it's something we've we've obviously talked about a lot on the on this show. Um, Since the start of the season, is how how Jonas is going to be able to juggle so many different attacking options. You know, only a certain amount can play each week. But then again, we're in the era of five substitutions now, the ability to turn a game. You know, with Emma Hayes for years has talked about having not players on the bench, they're, they're finishers. You know, she has a starters and a finishers. And I feel that Arsenal are finally starting to catch up with that. I think like last season, they perhaps lacked. A little bit of depth in in those attacking areas when the injuries piled up, but, but yeah, they, they they look as sharp as anyone going forward right now. And obviously, with 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 Beth Mead starting a couple of games recently, coming back in as well, that's just yeah, just just going to add to their their attacking attacking options, really.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. It's very much a squad game. I think all football is a squad game. Beth, Everton's 2-2 two, two draw against Bristol City. Obviously, you know, Everton Brian Sorensen have had a tricky start to the season. Will they be disappointed with
2: just taking a point? Yeah, definitely. I think, I think they will. I think sort of ahead of that game, um, you know, we're obviously still so early into the season, but I think it felt almost a little bit like a must win for Everton because of the start to the season that they'd had. And, you know, I think last season was such a positive season for them. You know, Brian Sorensen had come in and been, you know, as a number of the players... Said to me over the last year, it has been a breath of fresh air, and, and the, the style that he's implemented has been very possession-based and, and very enjoyable to play. And um, they obviously finished sixth last season and, and felt like one of those teams that were really sort of primed to to challenge the top four a little bit, you know, if not sort of break in then at least sort of be, be hot on the hot on their heels. So um yeah, I think it was a it, it was a it's been a challenging start to the season for them. I did worry for them a little bit in the summer. they they lost um Rebecca, who's one of the the best, who I thought was one of the best defenders of the WSL, actually last season, very underrated player, and um, she left to go over to the NWSL. Um They didn't replace her. They they then lost Gabby George the, the day before, or oh, it was on deadline day, actually, wasn't it? That the Gabby George went over to, to Manchester United, and um, you know, it, it's they they didn't have the, the time or or the the finances to replace her at that point, and um, I think they're paying the price for that. I think defensively they look vulnerable um I think they they have been unlucky they've had some you know some injuries um Natalie Bjorn who again is one of the best defenders um has been out the last couple of weeks she was on the bench on on um on Sunday and only came on off the off the bench so once she's back and and you know fighting fit you know I think they might be be a different proposition slightly but I do worry for them I think you know I've been sort of up until this point I've been very um sort of blasé about it I guess because I've seen enough of them over the last year to think that they'll be fine and you've almost felt like it's going to be a matter of time before they start to click into gear but you you look at you know the other teams in the WSL and it's such a cliche but everyone is strengthened everyone is stronger than last season and I think Everton are probably one of the only teams that look weaker than last season and I think that could be an issue I thought you know Bristol City um did really well. They, you know, they, they were getting hammered really for the first half an hour. Everton could have been a few goals to the good and, and they weren't. They stayed in the game. The goalkeeper was excellent. And then, you know, they come back in the second half and probably, you know, on the balance of playing the second half, deserved the win. So, um, you know, a lot for, for Lauren Smith to be positive about. But yeah, for, from an Everton perspective, um, a, a bit of a, a frustrating day at the office and they've just got to hope now. They've got Aston Villa this weekend and, and West Ham on the other side of the international break. And I think they need to be taken four points, really, for those two games to really sort of assuage, you know, any concerns about them and take the pressure off the manager and the players. I want to
1: correct something I said earlier. It was actually Aston Villa's second win of the season. Apologies, um, Carla Ward. Three, two win. Jack, the question we always ask when we see an England squad, Rachel Daly, you know, an- another stupid performance. Does it just make Serena's... Uh, team selection even harder when we sc- see her scoring goals like that on a weekly basis in the WSL.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've, I, that's exactly my reaction when I saw that. I mean, that sort of finish that late in the game, the, the, the one that she did on Sunday, it's like, I don't, I don't really think there's another England forward who, who is, just, I, I don't think anyone can match her for just pure finishing, like, Poacher's instinct type goals. I, I, I just think she's on a, on another level when it comes to to that type of, of forward. And yeah, she'll, she'll definitely um, offer a major a major option. I think for the for these next two England games, particularly now. Obviously, we've seen with as I mentioned earlier, Arsenal playing Alessio Russo slightly deeper on on Sunday in that win over Brighton, and that 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 seemed to really suit her. So the the potential of seeing perhaps the two of them together for England could I, I think is more likely than it was before. Um, obviously, we all know she offers a. It, it's really handy for for Serena Vigna that she can pl- play at, at fullback or wingback as well. Or, you know, anywhere out wide, really. Um, yeah. And it's just a real sort of luxury to have a player who can do that so well in your squad. But yeah, I I I, I thought exactly the same thing. I I, I was suggesting a few weeks ago, wondered if it was last season was a bit of a, um, a not a freak season, but sort of whether she'd be able to to get quite get to the same levels again but yeah she's she, she, she looks bang in form at the moment and I, I think if, if England are chasing a goal with with 20 minutes to go in these next two games that then you want her on, on the pitch so yeah she's a, a massive option.
2: Mother's Day is around the corner.
1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSC. Moving on to the Conti Cup or the FA Women's League Cup, depending how long you've been a fan and what you call it. Um, We've got a few fixtures tonight. We've got Brighton v. West Ham, Aston Villa v. Blackburn, Man City v. Leicester City, Liverpool v. Man United. Charlton v. Berman City, Crystal Palace v. Watford, Tottenham v. Bristol City, Lewis v. London City, Southampton v. Arsenal, Durham v. Sheffield United. Beth, we're going to start with you and the obvious place, Liverpool v. Man United. How exciting is it to have a a matchup like this at this point in the season, especially two teams who are, you know, having kind of opposite WSL seasons to what we would have expected
2: would you think that Liverpool might actually be going into this, the the side that is more confident? Yeah, I, th- I think it's an interesting one. I mean, I'll be down at Prennant Park this evening for it and, and hopefully it's a good game. But I think the thing with the, the Conti Cup is, I, and it was quite funny last season, there were times when sort of there was... That it ended. A, games ended in a draw in the group stage, and then it was going to penalties. And you know, even people at the club, like, what does this mean? Who gets the this, who gets the bonus point, and who gets this? And you know, it sort of feels like the Conti Cup is is one of those competitions that um, maybe needs eye in and out a little bit. I think you know we've got five groups, and um, obviously the five group winners progress and um, through to the knockout stages. They'll be joined there by by Chelsea, who've been given a bye from the group stages because of the. The Champions League, um, and so then it will be the best, the two best second place teams that will qualify. And I think that's right, anyway. Um, So you know, Liverpool have lost their first two games in the competition this season. You know, they're in a group with Manchester United, Manchester City, Leicester City, who obviously had a good start to the season, and Everton. So they, you know, with with both Liverpool and Everton actually having lost their first two games, it sort of feels like already they've not really got a chance of qualifying. And I think for that reason, you know, I, when, when managers are looking at their squads and I know Brian Sorensen has said this about, about his Everton squads, you know, it, they don't have the the numbers to be able to field you know a full 11 in the week and a full 11 at the weekend so I think it's a, you know it's about rotation and then it ends up becoming a little bit like the, the Manchester United Everton game the other week where, where United won, won 7-0 and it's it's all a bit lopsided and you look at some of the, the balances of, of some of the groups and you know as as I mentioned there the, the group that, um, that Liverpool are in and Manchester United are in is solely made of WSL teams and good WSL teams as well and then you've got some other groups that are just purely championship Teams or, or you know, lower uh, WSL teams with championship teams. So it's, I think the whole competition feels a little bit lopsided, and I think for that reason, I'm not really sure what to expect tonight. I think there will be some rotation from Liverpool. Obviously, they'll be they'll be back at home, and Prenton Park has been a, a little bit of a fortress for them um, as of late, um, and they'll be wanting to obviously respond to that game at the weekend. But I. I I think because of the fact that the Manchester United are the likeliest side to, to progress I think they will probably go a bit stronger they have the depth to go a bit stronger and again we'll be looking to bounce back from from that result at the weekend so um so yeah it's an interesting one um, but I think the Conti Cup is definitely something that maybe needs a little bit of reform in the next couple of seasons really yeah we well, were going to talk about the games but I think Beth makes a great um great point about the Conti Cup
1: this kind of um situation where a Liverpool and Everton effectively feel like they have no chance of getting through. And then you have teams like Arsenal playing Southampton who are doing very well in their league. But obviously they are a league apart. Do you think, like Beth was saying, it, it makes it kind of unfair that not everyone is actually competing on a level playing field. Is there a sense of that coming from the clubs?
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I, I think it's obviously the, the group stages, like, like, like Beth mentioned, the reason you've got the United City, Liverpool, Everton together is it's the, the regionalized. Format so I, I and I understand the benefits of that you know not only carbon footprint you know travel miles etc but but also you know the some of these teams that have the budgets
1: not to be rude they can get the train you know they could they can get the train I think that is you know I I do leads to London it's it's only two and a half hours
0: you're right so there, there's no real there's no Major benefit, as I can see, to keep it keep it regionalized. If it, it, it the the issue is as, as Beth said, is it's it's causing this sort of imbalance in the groups, and I'm not sure it's fair, yet yeah, to have just a group entirely made up of championship teams. Albeit great opportunity for one of them to get through the quarterfinals now. Um, and it, it felt slightly strange last year with Chelsea and Arsenal in a in a final, but both sides had only won two two games to get to that final. I'm not sure, really, that's what a cup competition should be about having said that whilst the WSL is at 22 games a season I think it's really important for um the the, some sort of group stage in this competition just to give you a minimum amount of games because I don't think it's great if if a WSL team gets knocked out of both cups straight away potentially only plays 24 proper games a season I don't think that's right either obviously there's the ongoing issues We, we always have to sort of caveat this with the general fixture congestion and and scheduling which i actually asked uh, serena about yesterday which you know i know we're going to come on to england but yeah it's uh it's it's definitely one i i agree they need to go back and and have a sort of a, a reset or a restructure of it i think i think on on that group as well in particular i think manchester city could be in a really strong position because this year they seem to have the players where they're able to rotate their team a little bit more Gareth Taylor still is though he's he's rotating but he's also still picking a very strong team a team that's capable of of, of beating anyone so obviously like like you say Chelsea have still got to come in uh, to the competition the quarterfinals but I think Manchester City it providing they, they they get through this group also their their last two games are at home which I think is a major benefit including the uh, the Manchester derby in January so. Yeah, they're they're in a really strong position, I think, to to go through. But no, com- completely agree. It, it, it should be uh, re restructured, I think, for next season.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. I would love to know what our readers and listeners think of that. Feel free to drop us a message on the socials, um, r for reach at r, women's Football. sorry. And um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I imagine as fans, it can be quite frustrating to pretty much know that your team aren't going to qualify um, <laughs> after the first two games. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think the FA should do. Talking of the FA, England squad, I have three words, Beth is back. Um, Beth, <laughs> might as well come to you first for that one. Um, the relief for Beth Mead, obviously a year after she did her AC out, amazing recovery time. Um, I think football fans, Arsenal fans and England fans are all happy to see her back. But how, how good must it feel for the player to be back in the squad after missing out on the World Cup?
2: Yeah, d- delighted for her. I mean, she's had such a difficult year personally and, and professionally, hasn't she? I mean, she obviously as you said there the, did her the ACL and then um you know her partner, Viv me did hers a couple of weeks later and then obviously she she sadly loses a mum in the in the new year to uh, to cancer. So, you know, she's had a really, really difficult time. Um and you know, credit to her for, for the way that she's battled through all of that and and as you say has been so determined I think she's been ready and willing to go since the summer hasn't she really and you know was, was sort of touch and go will she go to Australia will she not and you know I think absolutely the right decision not to take her because she, she wasn't obviously fully fit she didn't have that match sharpness and um, you know I think it would have been been unfair to, to deprive someone else of a place um, but I think there were times at the World Cup where you did really miss her and England did really miss her and what she could bring and I think you know, we've almost forgotten how good she can be in an England shirt. How fantastic she was at Euro twenty twenty two, and I think with with these games having such high stakes for England, obviously they need to they need to be beaten the the Netherlands, don't they? At, at Wembley, and um, I think you know, having a player like Beth, who, you know, I imagine will maybe come on off the bench. Um, you know, she's obviously started started for Arsenal at the weekend, but. I think Serena will probably be conscious of, it, of wanting to, to not overwork her and ease her in a little bit. But, yeah, I think she's a fantastic option for for England to have and on a personal level, you know, delighted for her. And, you know, I think there was a lot of, um, you know, disappointment among Chelsea fans when the, the announcement was made yesterday that, that Aki Beaver jones wasn't included in the squad. I um, know she's had, I think it's four goals in, in five games this season. Most of those games she's come off the bench. And she's had a, a phenomenal start to the season, only 19, 20 years old um and a, a real real talent um you know i saw flashes of that at everton when she was on loan there last season and um, watched her a little bit for England under 23s as well and i think she's got um you know a big big future um ahead of her so um i think her time will come i think because of the nature of these games that we've got coming up um i think you know that they're, they're very important games and i don't think Serena's is the type who would throw a young player in um like that um so yeah so it's a I th- I'm I'm delighted for Beth, and I think the squad is is apart from that not really too many surprises. And um, think Natasha is obviously a big Aggie Beaver Jones fan, hence why she's a uh, she's she's ditched the podcast. But Jack and OMC mentioned you were at um, at St George's Park yesterday and spoke to Serena. What was you know what were the, the big sort of talking points for it from that presser?
0: Yeah, you, you you the big the big talking point was was like you say probably not only Beth returning, but then I think a few of us thought Aggie Beaver Jones might sneak in. Just based on, like you said, the, the form she's shown for Chelsea. that I mean, she's just a, a goal scoring threat off the bench. Which I think at the moment, would you rather have her coming off the bench or like I know I know Jess Park and, and Katie Robinson didn't make mm-hmm. the squad either, but I feel like she she would have been perhaps a, a better option. I think Aggie Beaver Jones's big problem is that she probably seems to be to, from when I've seen her anyway. Her best position seems to be sort of coming off the wings as sort of a wide forward which is the one position where England are absolutely stacked at the moment. Now you've got Beth Mead coming back, um, Lauren James, obviously Chloe Kelly and Lauren Hedford are in really good form as well. Um, and haven't sort of didn't really, either of them didn't let England down in the in the summer. You know, they were both outstanding during the World Cup. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, and that was probably the the, the toughest question Serena had to face yesterday was sort of how, how do you fit them all in? And I'm not sure if she's got the answer yet, but, um, so it'll be interesting to see sort of how she she manages that over the over the the two games. But uh, as I said to her as well, it's the stage now where the calendar is. You know, we're at this really busy time of year. There's like we talked about here. There's Conti Cup games. Champions League is now back. England have got you know six seven players in the Champions League. So it's going to be really interesting to see her sort of manage the minutes of of that squad. And I think yeah, we could see some some rotation between the the two games.
1: So the England games on the 1st of December, England host the Netherlands at Wembley. Go and get your tickets. Let's pack it out for Serena and the girls. And then on the 5th of December, they are away to Scotland. I mean, Serena herself said, these are must win games for her. Um, Do you think after the success that the England team had, losing in the final this year, this is now maybe a small transition into teams knowing how we play, teams Teams get other teams getting better and England having more of a challenge, Beth?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, for, for any team, regardless of how successful they are, whether it's on the, the domestic stage or the international stage, there's going to be bumps in the road. And I think, you know, these last few months have been a bit of a bump in the road for England. And I think because we've been so accustomed to success under Serena Beegman, you know, rare for, for England fans to be so positive and optimistic going into games as we have been under Serena. Um you know, I think it was. I think the final was a the World Cup final was a first competitive defeat. I think as, as England manager, only a second defeat since being being in charge. So you know, hugely successful ten years she's had, and you know, I don't think there's a single person who who doubts that she's the right woman to to get England back on on, on track. And um, yeah, a disappointing, uh, a couple of disappointing results in this competition. I think you know the, the Netherlands defeat comes with the caveat that there was a you know a very offside goal given to the Netherlands in that game, um, and then I think England were just sort of below par against Belgium, and Belgium played really well, and, and credit to them for that. Um, but yeah, I think you know there is a little bit of a transition we saw. Obviously, you know, I think England's maybe one of the biggest problems is is that number nine. Um, problem you know who is who is the number nine and and you know Ellen White was just you know such a phenomenal talent wasn't she and such a a sort of talisman in that team and you know with her retiring last season I think you know Serena's still unsure of of who's the best person to to start in that role and we've seen her change formation a little bit and start with that sort of two-pronged attack she has obviously Alessia Russo and Lauren Hemp playing there in, in the summer and um, yeah, so I think it is a transition. I think you know Serena's job now is you know if teams have figured out how to play Gates England, then how do we change that? Um, but yeah, I think it's it's not panic stations yet. I think it'll obviously be disappointed if England don't get or Team GB rather don't get to the Olympics. Um, but you know it is what it is. I'm sure that they will they will go and they will they will do the damnedest to, to try and qualify in these next two, two games.
1: Jack, sorry to come to you with another hard question. Thinking about the England squad, um, one player who I've been very impressed with this season, Kiara Keaton. Given the situation, given Mary Epps' mistake at the weekend, given Kiara Keaton's more impressive performance and the position in the league, do we think... That Mary Earps is under a bit more pressure than she was in the summer in terms of her number one spot.
0: Yeah, yeah, she uh, she's definitely under more pressure. I mean, I, I suppose in the summer, the other England goalkeepers that went to the World Cup obviously are Ellie Roebuck and, and Hannah Hamilton. Neither were, you know, in, in sort of they had decent seasons, but I don't think they were they were at the level of uh, of what Kiara Keating's showing now. Um, I still think you know, obviously for these two games in particular, I think Mary Earps is. His place is is pretty safe just because of her experience. You know, she's the, the current sort of standing vice captain at the moment with uh, with with Leah Williamson out injured. And yeah, it's I I still sort of don't see don't see her place under threat for for these two games just based on the fact she's never really let England down. Even though, like you say, I think a w, WSL form, I wouldn't argue that that Kiara Keating has been one of the if not the best goalkeeper in the league this season, probably minus that. That one game at Arsenal. And even in that game, she actually made a number of great saves. She just got caught out with one one mistake at the end. Um, and yeah, it's gonna be interesting now Two sort of young goalkeepers who I think are gonna push Mary ups a little bit more. Um, obviously it was a bit of a it's a not a, not too much of a shock, Ellie Roebuck getting dropped yesterday because she's not been playing at all at Manchester City, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see sort of how, how Serena manages that that the goalkeeping situation going forward. And if anything does happen to Mario in, in either of these games, hopefully it doesn't. But if it does, then, then Kiara Keating may be asked to step up because obviously Hannah Hampton, the other goalkeeper in the squad, hasn't yet featured for Chelsea this season. So uh, you'd think Serena would go with with Kiara. But yeah, it'll be, be interesting to see.
2: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever.
1: Yeah, I definitely think she's in a great position. Um, we're going to end with England there and we're going to wrap it up, just give you the fixtures for this weekend because we still have a game day before the international break. So Bristol City will host Manchester United, Chelsea host Leicester, Brighton head to Liverpool. It's the London derby for Arsenal and West Ham. Aston Villa host Everton and Man City host Tottenham. Guys, any predictions or who do you think needs to win this weekend? Who really needs to get that three points before we all sign off for the international break?
0: I'll go and say I think Manchester United really need a win um, at, at Bristol this weekend, just like we've talked about earlier, that that Derby defeat last weekend. But only their first loss of the season but seven points is now the gap to, to Chelsea already, so if they, if they let that become any bigger, then I think it'll be a, tough to see them overhauling Chelsea. So uh, yeah, I think Manchester United are desperately needing a win.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think at the other end of the table, I think that that um, Villa and Everton game is really important. I think Villa win that, then they're you know they're looking up and they're back in in the comfort of, of mid-table. Um, and I think you know Everton could do with with you know giving themselves a bit of breathing room between the, the bottom of the table. So, um, so yeah, I think that'll be a big game as well. I think the game I'm most looking forward to is Man City-Tottenham.
1: Obviously, City have had a great start to the season, as have Tottenham. But I think playing Man City will be a really good test for them, especially away. So I think that could be a very, very interesting game. A lot of good strikers on show as well for those two teams. Thank you both for joining me. For our listeners, you can follow us on all your socials at Our Women's Football. And don't forget, the new issue of Women's Football News is out today, available in stores or online. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you next week.